believe in something this morning? Why don't you believe in a church? Why don't you believe in the glory of dominion that God gave us the power to build a building on a hill that stands for something in the community? That we're not afraid to stand up for what we believe in and tell the lawmakers and the rulers in this nation and every other nation in the world, Jesus Christ is the Son of God and He's coming back and you better repent of your sins or you're going to answer for them. Hailing from the heartland of America, atop the high bluffs of Western Iowa, comes the voice of the church, burning with passion for righteousness and justice again. People that believe in Jesus Christ, that he was buried, that he was resurrected on the third day, that he's coming again, and that men will answer for every idle word and every wrong deed, that there is justice beyond the grave. That is the statement that is made when you see a church and a steeple and a cross in a community and in a nation. And God cares about this building and he cares about the churches that sprinkle the landscape of this nation. And if you go to Europe today, you'll see cathedral after cathedral that were beautiful and they're empty. And if we don't get right in this nation, that's going to happen. Look around you at the sloth Look at the empty pews. Look at the big gaps. They didn't want to hear the truth. Believe in something today. Welcome to Beyond the Walls with Pastor Kerry Gordon of Cornerstone World Outreach in Sioux City, Iowa. Check out our website at beyondthewallsradio.com. Thank you for tuning in. Enjoy the sermon. Let me tell you something that you can see in principle from the very beginning. God took his eternal attitude that does not change and gave explicit instructions on architecture that he found very important as a public gathering space for those who honored the principle of one day when we come together since creation. You look at how God instructed his people the seed of Abraham, to come together in a temple. Now you fast forward and you go to Jesus Christ when he was physically on the earth. Jesus Christ was passionate about a physical structure called a temple building. He got so upset that that building was not being honored, that that structure made by men was not being used properly, that he went into a fit of righteous anger and said, my father's house say house, shall be called a house of prayer, but you have turned it into a den of thieves. Jesus was interested in the physical structure where the people of God come together on the day of rest, and he was offended at the misuse of that structure. You go backwards a little bit back to Moses, and you discover why. Because God is so that when his presence comes, and it only comes, and exclusively comes, in great measure where there is a corporate gathering, by the way. This has been true since the beginning. What does the word say? It says, wherever two or more of you, there will I be in the midst of you. Uh, Mr. Selfish Person. You have no promise that Jesus will be with you, hold off on a mountain somewhere and no fellowship with the body of Christ. That's not what the Bible says. This principle that you need others is so critical that many of you need to hear it over and over so that you can correct your attitude with God. 
Why? My goal is simple. I want you to get all the grace that you need. And I know you can't have it unless you follow the Bible on it. So the physical structure is important. Why? Because of the principle that when two or more are gathered, the presence of God comes in extraordinary measure. It makes even the dirt under your feet hallowed. Now, there are unusual moments, and I say unusual because in this narcissistic culture, you need to understand it is unusual and infrequent. It can happen, but it does not happen very often. That God, in the same honorable way that he would come into a corporate gathering where there's two or more, not one. Now, there's a reason why he didn't say one. Wherever one of you is gathered, there will I be. He didn't say that. Do you know why? Because he knows that selfishness is satanic. And he knows your proclivity ever since Satan was introduced to the Garden of Eden is self-awareness. So he, he put this rock-solid granite principle you can't mistake, and he said, I'll be with you when there's at least a couple of you. But don't think you can go off by yourself and be connected to heaven. Can you say amen? This is good preaching. You need this. Because grace, this morning, I had this promise from the Lord last night. I know it. Grace is flowing sideways in this room today. It is not coming down out of heaven onto you. It is flowing sideways only. You will get no grace. You will not be rejuvenated. You will not be uh, renewed like an eagle until you value the person sitting beside you. Section to section, how are you serving the body of Christ? Or are you just selfish? Is Jesus the Lord of your calendar? Or do you fit him in when you're free? Extra ecclesium nulla salus. In the same way that God saved Noah with an ark, God is saving souls with a church. No one outside the ark survived the judgment of wrath. And no one outside the local church will survive the coming judgment of men's souls. All these principles are here. They're right in front of us. We desperately need to get our hearts right, get our attitudes right about the need for grace to refill and rejuvenate. If, if you sit in a church filled with as much grace as this one has, and this church has a lot of grace, extraordinary amounts of grace, unusual volumes of grace, and you're not getting it, it's your fault. And it's all connected to your attitude and your respect for the other people sitting on your left and right. Proverbs 18.1 says, a man who isolates himself is not wise. It says in the beginning that Adam was alone and God deliberately telling us that it was not good that man be alone. So the principle is this, when you start to lean toward being more alone and self-interested than you used to be, you're leaning toward that which is not good. A man who isolates himself is not wise. Why? Because it wasn't good for Adam to be alone. Why would you think it was good for you to be alone? The entire universe was not created by a one alone. The universe was created by God in three persons. So the fabric of the universe, you need others. The three said to themselves, we need more. And Adam had Eve, and then they made more. We need more. Can you say amen? Jesus was interested in the architecture of where we go because when, when 
God in unusual moments of history shows up to talk to just one person. This is unusual. It doesn't happen every day. God showed up on a hill. There was no structure, just a bush and dirt. And the bush was burning, but it was not consumed. And the first thing that God said, because God was there, Moses stumbles onto the bush, and God says, take off your shoes because you're standing on holy ground. The ground wasn't holy because it was dirt. It was holy because God stepped on it. As soon as God stepped down there, that place became special. And I want to tell you something about this building. This is a holy place. This is the house of God, and it shall be a house of prayer, and it will not be a den of thieves. In fact, just, be, just on the fact that so many people have been married and buried, so many great sermons have been preached, so many, so many wonderful people that are already dead now and gone have come and ministered to us. And many of you uh, over there in that other location where we used to have our church, some of you came down the altar for the first time and you received Jesus. The presence of God was in that building. God did things there. And we're trying to sell it. And we understand this principle that once God has set foot on something, it is to be regarded with respect. And so we did, with the best of our ability through the legal avenues that we have, put in a deed restriction that there will never be the evil, murderous barbarism of an abortion committed on the land where this church used to preach. There will never be some kind of brothel or some kind of, a, you know, dancing or some kind of lewd sexual thing that goes against the principles of holy matrimony. We put it in, it is permanent, it is fixed legally to the land. As long as there's the United States of America, the deed of that property will not allow pornographic gambling, anything to occur that is disgraceful to the fact that God's presence once sat on that building. And because we know Jesus thinks architecture is important, God thought dirt was holy because he stepped on it. So at the very least, you ought to have some respect for this facility when you walk in. This is God's house. And in that selfishness, this movement in the homeschool movement has said, you know, organized religion is wrong. They were in house churches in the Bible. Well, that's a half-truth. They started out in the temple where they belonged. The Jews that believed Jesus was the Messiah waited for the Saturday Sabbath to get over for the Jews that didn't accept Jesus to move out of the way. Then they came in on Sunday morning and they had their service because they believed that Jesus was the Messiah and they were just Jews. They didn't call themselves Christians. They just believed they're Jews that got it. That's actually what the New Testament says about you. You're a Jew but your father was Abraham because you get it. And they were in the temple. The only reason they were driven temporarily into houses and hiding was persecution. Well, we're not going to go make persecution and what we have to do under duress, the goal. My goodness. God has always been interested in a beautiful place for his people to come together once a week to be nourished by the strength of grace. Can you say amen? This is a sacred place. This is a beautiful place. Turn to your neighbor and say, don't take this place for granted. We look at Jesus, the second Adam in the second garden, and what did Jesus do? No man wants to be alone who is right with God. Jesus Christ was perfect. He had all sufficiency in all things, right? But when he started going through a difficult time, 
He recognized an eternal law programmed into every last one of you. He was not made to be alone either. He goes into the garden and begs and pleads with the people with him. Can you not stay awake and pray with me for an hour? Because Jesus knew he needed grace to get through his crucifixion. And even he had to bow to the law of God that grace comes horizontally. And they'd get with him and pray and then fall asleep. And I hate to tell you, but it really is a picture of the church. It really is. What does everybody do when you start going through tough times? They run away from you and leave you all by yourself. That's what they do. Jesus Christ knew he needed maximum grace at Gethsemane. And he could not, no matter how he pleaded, keep 12 people awake to share their strength with him. You must have one another or you'll die. Extra ecclesium nulla salis. The marriage bed is referred in 1 Corinthians 7, 5 as something on the calendar of God. A man and woman who are married must have sexual intimacy at regular intervals. And one spouse is commanded by the scriptures, you are not to withhold the sexual need of your spouse unless both of you agree, and even then only for a limited time. And the Bible says why? It is because God created that appetite. That appetite, not unlike the need for water and the need for food, if you do not yield to this good appetite, it stops life from being created. Whereas if you don't yield to the appetite for water, the life that is already existing will die. If you don't yield to the appetite for food, the life that is already existing will die. If you don't regularly at normal calendar intervals engage in the beautiful act of sexual intimacy between a husband and wife, loving one another, preferring one another, then you will actually walk away from your obligation to create new life with children. It's an appetite that's holy and special from God. And so speaking of that appetite, the principle comes again and reminds us of, of the appetite that must be fed with divine food. Man doesn't live by bread alone. Life comes from hearing the preaching of the word of God. In regular intervals, you must return. And so the apostle gives the reason. If you refuse to lay with your spouse, Every day beyond reason that you go without it, temptation increases. The burden and the need for intimacy becomes so overwhelming that Satan can find a way to drag one or both people down into sin. And the Bible is warning us in the New Testament that if you go too long without participating in the beautiful act of grace exchange that goes on between a husband and wife, listen to me, behold, I speak of a great mystery, I speak of Christ in the church. If you don't come to church every seventh day like you're supposed to, and you begin without, without permission defrauding the church of yourself, and the church may be defrauding themselves of you in some way, if you go too long and too great of an interval, temptation in your life will begin to have strength and Satan will put crosshairs on you and you will eventually be taken out of the kingdom of God and destroyed. Somebody say amen. 
Goodness, there's so many things I want to say to you. I want to show you something just quickly, a principle, and then we'll pick up from here next week. The ark, Noah's ark, was not the savior of mankind. But the word of the Lord made it possible by God sharing his design for a tool that would harness the law of buoyancy. God, by sharing his insight, gave a tool, and if the tool was used properly, the salvation came through the tool. Can you say amen? Nobody could survive the flood without God because God gave the plans to build the ark. And then Jesus predicted, as it were in the days of Noah, so will it be in the coming of the Son of Man. You're listening to Beyond the Walls with Pastor Kerry Gordon of Cornerstone World Outreach in Sioux City, Iowa. Don't miss the conclusion of this sermon after these messages. Hello everyone, it's Pastor Kerry. You know, I remember a pivotal moment in American history and I sat and I watched this drama unfold in Florida concerning Terry Schiavo, who was this woman, she had gone on an extreme diet to lose weight and had lost consciousness. And the next thing you know, a few years later, they're literally euthanizing her in a nursing home. I was horrified when I watched that happen, and it set me into a journey to discover and answer some questions that are very important, especially in the field of the political world. Should Christians, for example, simply submit to the possible consequences of decisions, or should they make decisions exclusively based upon the Word of God? Now, that sounds simple to ask that question, and people flippantly answer it, but you'll find that the answer is very clear in the Bible, and it's also very troubling to modern Christians. Very few Christians truly live out the correct answer to that question. Well, I've put together a cartoon series. It's a whiteboard project where I teach you through some steps of logic and then had an artist in the church draw out the illustrations of what I'm trying to convey. It's really a remarkable thing and it's free. All you have to do is go to the website to enjoy it and I'll take you down the road of the journey I went on long ago answering that important question. Should Christians make decisions in life based exclusively on what God's Word says or should they bow down to the threat of consequences? Because you realize sometimes when you make right decisions, there are very painful consequences. And here's where you need to go. I'll give you the website twice. Stepstopoliticalepiphany.com. That's Stepstopoliticalepiphany.com. Please enjoy the presentation. It could really change your life. Thank you for listening and God bless. back to Beyond the Walls with Pastor Kerry Gordon of Cornerstone World Outreach in Sioux City, Iowa. Check out our website at beyondthewallsradio.com. Thank you for tuning in. You get to Genesis chapter 2 and verse 17. I want to show you a couple of quick things and I want to talk to you about three trees. Genesis chapter 2 verse 17 in the beginning, 
we find this principle of grace. Say this with me. Grace comes through obedience. There's no other way to get grace except through obedience to the divine laws of God. You can't have grace without law because unless you're obeying God's law, grace can't flow. This is why it is so obscene what is being taught in antinomian circles today. At the very beginning, we see a picture of being cut off from grace, a phrase that we refer to sometimes as a fall from grace. Adam and Eve are in the garden, and it says that God put one particular tree. I mean, there was trees and beauty. It was paradise. One particular tree in the very center, say the center, it's right in the center. It was the focal point of all the geography God had made for them. And he gave them this instruction that they needed to obey. They had his grace, and if they disobeyed, they would fall from grace and not have the, the life-nourishing grace that sustains people eternally, you see, because they die, if they didn't follow the instruction. What was the instruction? It's interesting to look at it. He said, there's the tree in the center of the garden, in the midst of paradise, do not eat it, right? You know that. So by disobeying, they went to the tree and went ahead and did eat it. And that's where grace was cut off because grace always flows through obedience to God's instructions. Amen. Now, go with me. I want to show you something incredible at the very end of your Bible. Go to Revelation Turn with me quickly, Revelation chapter 2. I just gave you Genesis 2.17, now go to Revelation 2.7. I want to show you what's happened here. Revelation chapter 2 and verse 7. Watch this. Let him that hath an ear hear what the Spirit saith to the churches. It wasn't talking to just individuals off by themselves. This is a message to the churches. I'm going to unwrap this for you over the next several weeks. You're going to be shocked when you see what the Scripture says about the only pathway that you can have grace in your life. You're going to be shocked. You're going to realize how valuable the people sitting on your sides in these four sections of the auditorium really are to you because without them, there is no channel for grace to flow. It's all coming from God, but it comes horizontally through his people. Look at this. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Look at this. At the beginning, he said, there's a tree in the midst of paradise. Don't eat it. They ate it anyway. They fell from grace. What would happen at the end of time? He's already transplanted that tree. It's in the midst of paradise right now. You're commanded to go eat of it. He's going to say, see that tree? Walk over there and eat that. The same thing would happen to you if you refuse to eat when you're told to, you die. When you eat, when you're told not to eat, you die. In the beginning, he said, don't eat. They did it anyway. They died. In the end of time, he is the giver of life. He's the source and the eternal spring. 
that allows you to be sustained eternally, but he's going to give you instructions. And if you don't follow them, you'll die because you cut yourself off from grace. And he says, the tree's in the middle. Now I know you must eat it, go eat it. Now I can't imagine somebody being this dumb. I'm I'm not eating it. It's not fricasseed, right? Listen to me. There's a reason why the tree got flipped. Don't eat at the beginning, do eat at the end. There's a reason for that. I want to tell you about some trees. God gave the tool of obedience when he said, don't eat of that tree in the Garden of Eden. They disobeyed, they fell from grace. Jesus died on the cross for your sins so that you could be born again and have eternal life, but at some point, he has made another tool, and it's the tree of life. He saved you. He's why you're going to live eternally, but you still have to go eat from the tree. He's not against tools. God took a tree and gave instructions to a guy named Noah and said, build an ark. And so from that tree came the ability to put parts of that tree all together and stick it together in such a way that that tool from a tree would save anyone who yielded to the tree by getting inside of it. It's all been about trees from the very beginning. It was a tree. And then to save everybody in a massive worldwide flood of judgment, he saved them by giving instructions on how to use a tree. Listen to me. You must partake of some trees and you must refrain from others. Your salvation, like with Noah, happened on a tree. They took a tree and they hung Jesus on it. You must embrace that tree. He says, take up your cross and follow me. If you won't pick up that tree, you'll have the same fate that they had in the Garden of Eden when they didn't behave according to a tree. You'll have the same fate as all the mockers and foolish idiots that ignored Noah and would not participate in what he built out of a tree. And at the very end, you won't have the privilege of walking up to that glorious tree and eating its fruit so that you can live eternally. It's always been about a tree. And in that same respect, God made a church and he made it out of the tree of Calvary. And the way that you get into the ark made from the tree, the way that you partake of the cross and take it up daily as you come into the church that was made because of the wood of that cross. Extra ecclesium nullis Without the church, there is no salvation because you're saved by grace and that not of yourself independently but it is the gift of God and it flows through the church. The church does not have the duty of getting people born again. You do as a part of the church. Your job is to come in on Sunday and get the grace that you need to go out and do the work of the ministry as a member of the body. Can you say amen? Amen. 
This has been Beyond the Walls with Pastor Kerry Gordon of Cornerstone World Outreach in Sioux City, Iowa. Don't miss the conclusion of this sermon. Check out our website at beyondthewallsradio.com. Thank you for tuning in.